thanks for joining us for the Unexpected Jesus series as we walk through the book of Mark at Doxa Church. Doxa Church exists to equip people to live for Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. For more information, go to doxa-church.com. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. That's where I'm going to be teaching from today. And as you open them, let me pray for us that we would be able to have hearts to hear from God. Father, we thank you for your word. As Zach prayed, I pray for the unction of your spirit, uh, your power to work through my words, that the meditation of my heart, that the, the, the words that come from my mouth would be pleasing to you, Lord, and would be good for our souls. And we trust that, Holy Spirit, you'll have to do the work to change us. So would you do that now through your word in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, Alex showed us that the secret of the kingdom of God is not a password, but a person. And that person is Jesus Christ, and he's both the means for entering the kingdom of God as well as the means through which we understand the kingdom of God. Um, I want to make sure it's really clear you cannot enter into the kingdom of God, into the family of God, into relationship with God apart from Jesus Christ. Like John records in John 14, 16, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so he's not only the means to enter, but even the truth of God cannot be understood apart from Jesus. It's Jesus who actually makes it make sense. In fact, if you've been a part of any of our gatherings for a while and you hear me teach and preach from uh, the stage here every once in a while, I would bet that you're going, I don't get this, I don't get this, and there's probably some of you in this room maybe still don't get it. I want to let you know it's not going to be my ability to teach that's going to help you get it. It's going to be the Holy Spirit of God that changes your heart, and it's going to be Jesus coming into your life that transforms you and gives you eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive the good news of the gospel. So I want to continue to call you to submit to Jesus, the only one who can bring you into relationship with God as well as interpret and translate the truths of God to your heart by his spirit. So now as we read this passage today, I want to continue some of Alex's thoughts that the, the kingdom is entered through a person, it's understood through a person, and we need to understand what the kingdom is all about. And Jesus is going to lay out for us in two parables what the kingdom of God is like. And it is not ex- what you would expect. And just like our series uh, we've called this the unexpected Jesus. Every week we're talking about the unexpected realities of Jesus and his kingdom. And so today we're talking about the unexpected kingdom. And in this unexpected kingdom, we're going to see that Jesus is telling us there's, there's a way to look at the kingdom that's maybe different than what you expected. Let's look at verse 26, verse four, or chapter 4. He said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, and as they were able to hear it, as they were able to hear it, he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. The kingdom of God is not what you would expect. 
And in Jesus, the, in, in Jesus' kingdom, small is big. That's how it works. In the kingdom of Jesus, small is big. In fact, um, it's one of the reasons why a lot of people missed it altogether, because to them, Jesus' kingdom was not impressive. The kingdom growth was invisible, and in, in most cases, it was it seemed very, very insignificant to them. And so we're going to walk through those three parts of how to understand the kingdom. Jesus' kingdom, first of all, is not impressive. Let's look at verse 26 again. He said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Now, you would expect if Jesus is going to talk about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, you would think majestic mountain peaks, beautiful sunsets, towering cedars, rushing streams, a city of gold, streets of gold. Like you would think that's what the kingdom of God looks like. It's impressive. It's magnificent. It's, it's, it's unavoidable. It's, you, can't, you can't miss it. It's so, so incredible. And yet that's not where Jesus goes. He goes to seeds and soil. That's where he goes. And, and, and it should bring you back, if you know the narrative of the Bible, it should bring you back all the way to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, where in the very beginning God creates man and women in his image. And if you remember, he gives in them the ability to procreate. And he gives them the command, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He starts with two people who have within them the ability to fill the entire earth with a mass of people. And he talks about all the plants and every plant that's been put in the ground by God has fruit that has seed in it and, it, and the seed that comes from that fruit can actually produce another plant to produce more fruit and eventually the garden moves from one place to the ends of the earth. That the ongoing movement of, of God's kingdom and that picture in the garden is really the first picture of what it looks like to have a kingdom. God's kingdom where he's ruling, he's reigning, he's giving the rules. He's asking Adam and Eve on his behalf to, to, to extend his rule and reign to the ends of the earth. But God is the ruler. And God gives them a very clear uh, command. You may eat of all the trees in the garden, all the plants in the garden, but the one tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you may not eat of it. In the day that you eat of it, you'll surely die. And so what you see in the very beginning is very humble beginnings. This two people that are gonna fill the earth. Plants that are going to spread throughout the earth. And when Jesus is talking about seed and ground, you would have to go back in your mind to, wait a minute, when was the first seed? When was the first soil? And you guys all know where Adam came from, right? The dirt. But what, what's going on is out of the dirt, God forms a man and breathes life into him. Ladies, I, I used to hang out with a bunch of very immature guys when I was in my 20s. I, of course, wasn't one of them, but... Um, <laughs> And uh, every once in a while they'd say, hey, you know, you, you bringing your rib tonight? Yeah. Because the woman was brought out of man, formed from his rib. And I would regularly say, um, I don't know, dirt bag. Because you were from the dust. So like, just be reminded who you were. And this picture of dust and seed should bring us back to the humble beginnings of creation from which we came. And that's why we hear the language, from dust you came to dust you'll return. There's a sense of the ground is where the beginnings start. And the beginnings are not impressive. The beginnings are actually dirt. 
And it's in dirt that the seed falls. And the the seed falls in the dirt and it produces life. Just like Adam was taken out of the dirt and out of him was brought life. There was a life that came out of the dirt bag. Adam, the humble beginnings of God's creation is being reflected right here again as Jesus is talking about what the kingdom is like. It's like soil and seeds. And it's important to keep this in mind because what happens with Adam and Eve They start in a place of humility, and the evil one says, don't trust God's word, it's not true. Don't trust his word, it's work, it's not sufficient. Trust in your own ability to do your own thing on your own and determine what you think is right so that you can trust in your work and your word, not in God's work and his word. And he convinces them to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And at the, at the, at the moment that that happens, they realize they're naked, they're shame, they experience shame, they cover themselves up, they hide, and we get the beginning of sin breaking into humanity and destroying all of creation. And at the heart of their sin was pride. That the idea that this is all about me, this is all dependent on me, life should revolve around me, the world should be all about me. And at the heart of the brokenness of the world, the kingdom of the world is me. My pride, my sin, my brokenness. It began in humility And it was all about God. And we knew our dependency because we came from the soil. And we were given the ability to reproduce after our own kind by God. But it went to make this all about you. In your pride, your arrogance. In my pride, in my arrogance. In our pride, and our arrogance. We make it all about us. And that's what's led to all of our brokenness. Instead of God being at the center, we put ourselves at the center. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like a, a farmer who's sowing, it's as if a farmer's sowing the seed into the soil. And he wants us to be brought back not only to the creation, but he also wants to be able to acknowledge the reason why you're missing the kingdom is because you're so full of pride. And you want it to be impressive. You want it to be massive. You want to, you want to be able to brag about it. And what, com- what comes as the form of kingdom is Jesus Christ, the most humble of them all. And don't miss it. He spent 30 years in obscurity, nobody paying attention to a thing he did. He came and lived the humble life that you and I are meant to live, a life of submission to God where it's not all about us, it's all about him. And of all the people who should have showed up with fanfare is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the the one through whom all things have been made and all things are held together, Paul says in Colossians. And yet, what does he do? He comes in the form of a little baby and the only ones who give him fanfare are angels and a few shepherds. And Mary treasures it in her heart, but even she, as we saw a few weeks ago, at times misunderstood Jesus. And so here you've got Jesus showing up, and what I, I, want, what I want you to hear this is that Jesus shows up and lives a life of perfect submission and obedience to God the Father. The Hebrew, writer of Hebrews says he was tempted in every way just like us, but without sin. And that life of humble, quiet submission to God without any recognition is the life you and I need to be lived on our behalf. He is, the Bible says, our righteousness, and that righteousness is his life. Please hear that. He lived a life for you and me. He's the seeds and the soil of life. He's the humility, the ground level stuff. The incarnation is as humble as God can get in terms of his expression. He's always been humble, but his expression of his humility is in the incarnation. God taking on flesh and dwelling amongst us and being missed by us. That's humility. 
And he did it because we're so prideful and we need to be set free and forgiven from that. And so Jesus lives 30 years of obscurity, three and a half years of ministry, total of 33 and a half together before he goes to the cross. And and the the incarnate one, the God-man, goes to the cross, and at the cross, he who knew no sin became sin. Our sin, our past sin, our present sin, our future sins were all put on Jesus Christ at the cross. And he who knew no sin became our sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5.21. That's what, that's what God has done in Christ. And so when Jesus is talking about the kingdom as if a farmer sows these seeds, he's, he's wanting us to understand it isn't impressive. It's, it's, not, it's, not gonna, it's not gonna wow you because you missed it. It's so simple and so down to the earth, so ground level that that you missed it. And yet, you missed it so that you could get it because if Jesus had come and said, look at who I am, you should all bow down right now, then he would have fallen right into the very trap that we fall into. Instead of making it about the Father's will, he would have made it about all that he wanted and he would have never gone to the cross and he would have never been our righteousness and we would, have not, we would not have had a sufficient sacrifice to stand in our place at the cross, but he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Even though he was in the very nature of God, Paul says in Philippians 2, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. See, what he wants, what Jesus wants us to understand is the kingdom seems so incredibly non-impressive. And it had to be that way. Because the humility of Christ becomes now our humility before God. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We get to, as it were, start again with the seeds in the soil. A new beginning. A new creation. And I I want to make sure that we we hear this, that the tendency can be that we, we really, really misunderstand how God comes. I'll be honest, there are days when I, I'm in this building on this stage and I'm like, I'm on a screen. What in the world? <laughs> Big building, lights. And there are days when I just wanna go like, scrap it all. Let's get back to the normal, just down-to-earth, gritty stuff. And then, of course, the Lord goes, it's not evil. And we have this little dialogue, and it's like, use whatever means you can to make me impressive to show what I'm like. But what, what, the reason I say this, because I want to just, just say this straight to us, family. Please don't get impressed with anything other than Jesus Christ. Like it's easy to start thinking that there's something that we've got to make him look great. We gotta we gotta do everything perfect. And if we do it just really great, then then people will get the kingdom. Jesus came and it was a mess. His disciples were all screwed up. The, the, the things that were all around him were so broken. And he was a, just of the ground, of the dirt, carpenter. I love it. Now we don't don't worry, we're not moving out of here next week, and I'm not gonna get rid of all, all this stuff. Some of you guys like, oh, we kind of like it, you know, we can see you in the back and all that. Whatever. What I don't want to do is actually think that we have to be impressive so that people will be impressed with Jesus. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want you to hear. 
I want you to hear that God is not waiting for your life to be impressive so that Jesus can show up. God is not waiting for you to get your life together so that God can break in. In fact, God prefers to show up in the dirt of your life, the mess of your life. He prefers to pick the non-impressive. Why? Because if you could say, I got nothing, then Jesus is everything. But if you go, yeah, I'm I'm pretty good. I got stuff together. God could really use me. You know, I could see he needs some help. Wrong. He doesn't need you. He could do it without you. He's not looking for the most impressive. In fact, he's looking for the most needy. He's looking for us to humble ourselves and say, I'm in desperate need. I I feel like a dirt bag today. By the way, all the dirt bags are welcome in the kingdom today. Just so you know. If you're feeling that way, you go, I'm not that. I've got it all together. Okay, well, then you may not need Jesus. And what I want you to hear is not only does he not need you to be impressive, but he works through the non-impressive stuff. Family, we gather together, and this is great, and we're gonna keep doing this to encourage you and exhort you to Jesus. But I wanna keep saying it over and over again. Where the real stuff happens, where the most significant stuff happens, where the stuff that's actually gonna transform our city happens, happens in your normal everyday life. It's, it's the meal you have with someone who needs a friend. It's the, the coffee you buy for someone before work. It's the neighbor you reach out to and introduce yourself to. It's, it's, the, all the, it's, the, it's the, the, that extra hour you gave to somebody when you didn't want to give it. It's, it's the time you spent with your children around the table. It's the roommate conversation that you had. Like that's, that's all the stuff that looks like it's not very impressive, but I want to tell you, that's where the kingdom is in the non-impressive stuff. Janie and I, when we moved when we moved into Tacoma several years ago, we don't live there now, we live in Redmond, but uh, when we lived there before, um, neighbors across the street named were Amy and Tully, and, and it, it just, we just began a friendship, and we just started doing non-impressive stuff. Hanging out, watching the fireworks on 4th of July. Sitting on a blanket on a hill with our neighbors, watching the fireworks. Having them over for lunch. Having our kids play together. Inviting them over uh, just to celebrate Christmas Eve together, fondue together. I mean, just all these, just normal everyday stuff. But I'll tell you, it was through all those normal everyday opportunities that the kingdom of God started to break through. And I'll tell you more about that in a sec. Let's go to the next part. The kingdom is not only not impressive, but the kingdom is also invisible. Let's look at verse 27 through 29. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. You guys ever planted a garden with your children? Maybe just planted a garden yourself? I remember the garden that that Maggie and I put into the ground and we sowed some seeds. Maggie's my, our youngest. She's right here in the front row. And uh, I remember after putting the seeds in the ground and her walking with her little watering can, I think she was maybe five or six when we first did it together. Um, we go inside and she goes out like an hour later, looks at the ground. You're like, where are they? She expected them to grow up just immediate. And of course, I'm like, it's gonna take a little time. And so... We go to sleep and the next morning she wakes up and she runs right out to the garden expecting those things are gonna pop up and they still haven't popped up. And, and what, what Jesus is trying to help us understand is that seeds don't grow immediately. The anxiety of our hearts that wants to see things change doesn't make them grow. The, the work of our lives, you, you can't make the kingdom grow. You don't make it grow. It grows and you 
All you do is you sow the seeds of the gospel. That's really what the seeds are. Ultimately, is the good news of Jesus Christ. And you just, you can't make it ha- happen. You can't change a heart. You can't transform a city. Like, I want us to be humbled about this today, family. Like, we won't change this region. Jesus has to do it. The seed Jesus has to do the work in our hearts, has to transform our hearts, has to do a a, a work that we can't do. And some of you, I I would bet, are are trying to control the work of the kingdom. You're trying to manipulate the work of the kingdom. Maybe you're going, I'm not doing that, but you might be doing it to yourself. You might just be going, I gotta gotta try harder, I gotta pray more, I gotta read my Bible more, and those are all great things to do, but I'm gonna tell you, none of those things because of your effort are gonna change you. God has to change you. Jesus has to change you. There's nothing you can do to make the kingdom grow by yourself. In fact, listen to the the, the prayer that we often call the Lord's Prayer. Some call it the Disciples' Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice the prayer. It doesn't say... God, help me to make your kingdom come. Help me to bring it about in in my lifetime. It says that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. You have to do it. Don't miss this. The kingdom of God has to be brought about by God's work. And here's what I found is most of the time it looks completely invisible to our eyes. Half the time you can't even see it happening. And you can get really frustrated because you're like, come on, grow. You're going to the soil every day. Get up. Come on, plants. It's like boiling water. Don't watch water boil, right? It'll drive you nuts. You're like, "Uh, I think it's going. I think it's going. I think We do that with the garden of our lives. We're going, I want to see something. I just want to see something. We want to make it come. We want the kingdom to come, and we want to make it happen. And don't, just realize this. When Jesus is speaking, he's speaking into a context where there are two groups of people probably listening in. One's the zealots. The zealots believed very much that this was the kingdom, that we're going to take it by force. They were walking around with a little dagger in their, in, their, in their garment just ready to pull it out and kill the enemy anytime they could because they knew if they could take out the enemy, then they believed the kingdom would come. In other words, they would take it by evil force. They would take it by manipulation. They'd take it by destruction. And there's a lot of us where we're going, I want to be about God's kingdom, and you're actually trying to take it by force in a sense that you're trying to do it. And I'll tell you what, You'll make people into projects real quick if you think you've got to make it happen. And you'll get very frustrated, I promise you, with the, the invisible growth of the kingdom. And there's maybe others of you who are more like the other group that was listening in, which was the Pharisees, to this particular teaching. And the Pharisees believed that it was through morality that they'd bring the kingdom in, that the, if they could get everybody to obey the laws, everybody to get in line, then God would finally want to be their king. And once he got a really good people, then he would show up and be their king. And I just want to remind you, God is not looking for a really good people to be the king of. God is looking for a really needy people to be the king of. He's looking for a very broken people to be the king of. Because what happens when you are broken and needy, and he comes up and he changes everything, he gets all the credit. But if we go, you know what, we got a great church because we tried really hard and we were really good people and look at all the work we did and our city's getting better because of us, I'm, I promise you, God, God, God will just say, I'm out of here. Because he will not share his glory that way. He will, not, he will not be diminished. He will not let you take credit for his work. This last week when I was speaking in, in uh, Austin, I, 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 ta- I talked about how 
We cannot just be nice people, and then when people say, why are you so nice, we just say, well, you know, I'm just nice. You know, I just, just, just want to be a nice person and love people well and love my neighbors well. And I said, you've got to give Jesus credit for why you became who you are. The invisible growth of the kingdom has a king. And I, I, I said, so when, when people notice that your life is different, and they start to see the kingdom becoming visible, going from invisible to visible, give credit to the one they can't see, which is Jesus Christ. Don't let the kingdom remain invisible. Call them to Jesus. And so afterwards, a woman comes up to me, and she shares with me about her cul-de-sac and how hard it is to love people there, and she shared a lot of stories. It was really cool to hear all the stories of the way that they're loving their neighbors, even though their neighbors, none of them get along. And heard some of her neighbors, she said, one of them comes to me and goes, how can you love those people? They're jerks. And she goes, you know what? It's not hard to be nice. And I'm sitting here listening going like, I just said, like 10 minutes ago, don't tell them you're nice. Tell them it's because of Jesus. And so I stop and say, can I encourage you next time to not take credit for Jesus' work? Like, please tell them. It's because of Jesus changing your life. I said, if you want your neighborhood to change, they're going to have to realize it's not because of you that you're nice, but because of Jesus. Because if they get Jesus, then they'll get changed too, and the neighborhood will change. But if they don't get Jesus, which is the seed of the kingdom coming into their hearts, then nothing will change. And you'll just act like you're really nice. And they'll all be impressed with you. But we need them to get to Jesus. We've got to give them Jesus and maybe some of you are going like, okay, Jeff, I, I agree, the kingdom is invisible. It seems like it's still invisible. Like I see nothing happening in my heart, in my life, in my neighborhood, in my community, in my family. And I think what Jesus wants us to hear, what Mark wants the church in Rome to hear is going through a lot of suffering. Is that just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. We know the story of Rome, right? They get persecuted. They get killed. The blood of the martyrs is spilled everywhere. And what happens eventually? Rome is completely transformed by the gospel. Like, literally, the entire place comes to, to acknowledge who Jesus is. Now, we could talk about whether it was all genuine or not, but it changed the city. But you, if you were to ask the people in the middle of the persecution, they're going, nothing's happened. It's just getting worse. But don't miss it. Where does the seed go? Into the soil. What does the writer say? What does Mark record Jesus saying? What makes the seed grow? The ground. Now this is crazy. Don't miss this. What he is saying. What is, what is soil? It's worm poop. <laughs> right? I mean, when I like do gardening, it's like I got to get enough manure in there to make that stuff grow. There's something in the soil that makes it grow. The seed as well, within the seed. So the seed of the gospel and the soil of our lives together produces something. What I want you to hear, some of you are going, nothing's happening, my life stinks. I'm not, it's not going well. I'm going through pain, I'm going through suffering. Things are not working the way I'd hope. That's the soil. There's a reason why it's worm poop. Because some of you are going, my life is yeah, right? 
And we can get really discouraged, but here's the deal. The work of the kingdom is in the soil of your life. It's in the brokenness, it's in the suffering, it's in the stuff that doesn't go well. That's where the gospel has its best fruit. In fact, you could imagine the people in Rome are going, how can we be comforted? This is the kingdom of God. People are dying. But we now know that it was the blood of the martyrs seeping into the soul of their lives that gave birth to the gospel spreading to the ends of the earth. It's amazing. Please know that the invisible work of the kingdom works in the soil of your life when you can't see it. Works through the stuff that you wish you weren't going through. Works through the suffering that you would rather have somebody else experience instead of you, right? Why me, Lord? The kingdom is growing in you and you haven't seen it because you thought the kingdom would show up in visible ways that were splendid and wonderful and that everything would go well. But that's not how the kingdom works. Pay attention. The kingdom is like the king because the king shapes the kingdom. And if Jesus had to suffer and die on a cross for our sins, we should not be surprised at suffering because it's through the suffering of Jesus that the kingdom broke through, and now it's through our suffering and brokenness and mess that he breaks through into our life. And the invisible work of God is happening in the stuff that you can't even see, you don't recognize, you've missed it. Some of us just goes like, no, I just, don't, I just want it to happen now, right? We live in the Insta society, right? We, we got microwaves and we were waiting at the microwave going, this is too slow. You can get a meal in like five minutes these days. It used to be like an hour, right? It's like, have you guys ever heard of Louis C.K., comedian? He's like, he does this really good routine. Uh, everything, is one, everything is wonderful and no one's happy, right? And he tells us, he says, you know, you got your cell phone. You're like, come on, come on. Oh, he's so slow. And he goes, give it a second. It's got to go to space and back. Right? It's like we don't even realize what we have. We're so instantaneous. I want it now. Well, the kingdom of God doesn't just show up in a second. It's a lifetime pursuit of God working in you to change you and transform you into the image of Christ. And we've got to believe that even if we can't see it, it is happening. It's happening. The kingdom is happening. Don't look at your circumstances and think, that's not good, therefore God's not good. No, he loves to work in the dirt of your life. And it's invisible most of the time. And don't miss this. What, is the, what does the farmer do? Does he, does he sow the seed and they go to bed at night and go, oh, I, I don't know, I gotta go and talk to those seeds. Would you grow, 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 grow? Phantom, come on, come on, grow. I'm, I'm your fan. Grow, little seed, grow, little seed. No, he goes to sleep. Can I just encourage you to go to sleep? Just rest in the work of God. Rest in the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation for those who believe. It, it changes everything. God's not asking you to fix yourself up. He's asking you to rest in the one who can fix you up. He's asking you just to go to sleep. The seed's planted in your heart. If you've got Jesus Christ, the seed of the gospel, and planted in your heart, rest. Let it produce what God wants it to produce in you. You know, our neighbors across the street, Amy and Tully, have, have yet to come to faith. And right now, I, don't, I still don't think they're, they're doing great. And, and that, that, I'll tell you honestly, there are days when I'm going, God, come on. Do something. I struggle with this, if I'm going to be real honest. I struggle with 
wanting to see more at times. I'm wanting to see more fruit. I'm wanting to see more change. I'm wanting to, I want our city to change. I want our region to, I want them to love Jesus. And there are days when it's hard for me, if I'm honest. And yet, let me tell you the invisible nature of the way God works in his kingdom as we continue just to be friends with them, I remember Amy coming to me one day and saying, hey, you know, our high school, she was a teacher at the high school, uh, we're finding that the, most of the boys don't know how to really treat people very well. They're, 85% of the kids at that school don't have a dad, and so they have no model of a man that really is a loving, faithful, gentle, consistent man in their life, figure of even what God is like. She didn't say that, but I know that that's the case. And... Um, she said, we're, you know, they're, they're saying horrible things to girls in the hallways. They're taking advantage of them in really, really, really horrible ways. And we, we're, we're making them all go to Saturday school where they're going to have to learn how to be a man. So we're, at, we're wondering, Jeff, if you would come in and speak on manhood. The kingdom is invisible. It's just like... <laughs> it's working out. I can't even see it. I get discouraged. And God goes, don't worry, I'm doing it. I'm building it. And so, of course, that was fun. I said, well, what can I say? She goes, whatever you need to say. And I said, well, you know what I believe. She goes, I, I know, Jeff, don't tell me. Just say whatever you gotta say to help these boys learn how to be men. So I go in, and I say, hey, t- you know, tell me, you know, guys, who do you believe, who are the men that you look to, who you, the men that you respect in the world and history that you think were great men, and, you know, um, they're, they're, you know, they're saying like, um, oh, you know, like Martin Luther King and uh, some said Malcolm X and some said Gandhi and some said um, Obama and there were a few others that they threw out when I asked the question. And, and then and one kid, and I was just praying for this, one kid said, Jesus Christ. I'm like, yes, the kingdom of God is here. The seed has been sown. I couldn't see it in the room, but it was there. And he says it out loud. I'm like, yes, I love the kingdom. I love the king. I love how he works. I love how he's already way ahead of me. And I just said, well, why? And he describes me. He goes, well, you know, all these other guys. And, and we, had, we had described all these other men and why they were great men in the eyes of these boys. And, and he says, well, the thing about Jesus is he, some of these other guys were killed for what they stood for. But Jesus chose to be killed. He willingly laid down his life I'm like, this kid's a preacher. And he just starts like preaching the gospel. He willingly laid down his life for us and we rejected him and yet he still did it for us. He didn't have a whole bunch of people cheering him on. He was yelling against them. They were yelling against him, crucify him. I'm like, keep going, buddy, keep going. You're great. And then I stop and I said, guys, do you realize how different Jesus is than everyone else? And I'm gonna tell you, Jesus is the, the, the best man that's ever lived. He is the true man. And if you wanna be like the best man ever lived, you've got to get Jesus. And then I basically gave a little altar call right there in the classroom at Lincoln High School to come to Jesus. You know, and I said, I want to talk to you. If, you, if, you, if in this moment something happened in your heart that Jesus kind of showed up in you and you said, yeah, I want to follow him. I want to know him. And I'm, I'm going, this is my neighbor who doesn't believe the gospel. And many times they're saying, Jeff, I don't believe any of this. I know I'm going to hell. I don't believe any of it. She's one of the best evangelists I've got because she's opening the doors for the kingdom. She doesn't even know it. Amazing. Let me encourage you. You may not be able to see it, but God is at work all around you. The kingdom may seem invisible, but it's extremely effective. He's doing good work. 
And in Jesus' kingdom, small is big. Please let me encourage you. Small is big. You may not even be able to see what he's doing. That doesn't mean he's not doing it. Be encouraged. God's at work. Jesus rose from the dead. He's alive. May not be impressive. It may be invisible to your eyes. It also may seem very insignificant. Let's listen to the last part. Verse 30. He said, With the, What can we compare the kingdom of God? What parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground, it's the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. This is similar to the previous parable, but the, very, the, the difference between it is the other one was helping us understand the nature of the kingdom. This is helping us understand the contrast of small to big in the kingdom. That something very, very small is very, very big in the kingdom of God. And that small is a mustard seed. Have you guys ever seen mustard seeds? In this part of the land that, that, that Jesus is speaking, they're smaller than the ones that we have here. In fact, I'll show you a picture of what they look like. That's how small they are. So stinking small. And in that particular area of the, of the world, that was their smallest seed. So when he said that, it was a, uh, that was a kind of part of a proverbial statement in that culture that something as small as a mustard seed is as small as it possibly could get. They didn't have an understanding of something smaller that they could still see with the human eye. And, and so, it, and yet out of it produced the largest bush that you would find in gardens. Now, that doesn't mean the largest tree, but in the gardens, it was the largest thing. In fact, it looked like a tree. It was so big amongst the other plants. And so what I want you to hear is though the kingdom of God may seem insignificant, it grows in immensity and it, and, and it has huge impact beyond what you could ever imagine. I, I can't tell you the number of times I've had a conversation with somebody and we said, man, don't you, can't you wait for that day when you're with Jesus? And he, he, he points out all the ways in which all the things that seem insignificant led to hundreds and thousands of souls coming into the kingdom of God. You know, I, I told our team this morning when we prayed together before we started our gatherings, I said, I want to remind you that a handshake or a smile or an arm around the shoulder or just, a, just taking a little bit extra time with people could be the, the moment in which the kingdom of God breaks in in their life and you don't even know it. And you may never even find out about it. Well, who knows? I want to encourage you. Who knows if you didn't have a conversation with your neighbor where they finally said, you know, I've always heard everybody talk about you and you say you're a Christian and all that, and they walk away and go, you were really nice. Maybe I should give this a second hearing. And you may never get to talk to them ever about Jesus, but they've got a coworker who's been talking about Jesus, and all of a sudden, that little kingdom moment, that little mustard seed experience was just one more thing that Jesus was bringing about in their life to show them there's a lot of people that love Jesus around them, and they can't get away with Je from Jesus anymore. Please know that though you might think you're, what you're doing is so insignificant, it isn't. It's immense. God is doing immense work through your insignificant opportunities. If you come to believe in Jesus and he dwells in your hearts by faith, you got the mustard seed. And it will grow and take over your whole life. Some of you are like, that's scary. Not when it's Jesus. Not when the giver of all life, not when the, the greatest man who's ever lived, not when the love of God shows up in your life and invades every crevice and crack. See, he... The scriptures say he who began a good work and you will be faithful to complete it. That's mustard seed talk. This little work that you thought just was 
only about what was gonna happen after you die and you're gonna spend eternity with God forever. That's not what he wants. He don't, doesn't just want your eternity. He wants your every day. He wants your every moment. He wants all of you to be saturated with all of him so that all of life is filled with the glory of God. Mustard seed stuff. Little moments that he's gonna fill your whole life with so that he can fill your whole life with himself. You know, as we went forward in this relationship with Lincoln High School, we were actually with a couple last night, Todd and Sandra, who lead a missional community that is really reaching out to the football team on that school. And I, when I look back, I trace back to this conversation, these conversations and friendships with Amy led to open doors into the school, which led to a missional community getting to work with a football team. And then they did a whole bunch of insignificant things, not impressive things, things that look invisible to most people, like showing up at a football game and making sure every football player had someone cheering for them. Like, like finding out who needed extra help and stay-at-home moms would say, they can come drop over at our house after school because they had no place to go and they can get a bite to eat and, and we'll help them with their homework. And, and, and like little things like helping wash uniforms for the football team, which I'm sure most of those football players never really realized all that was being done for them. Like painting bleachers or, or me coming alongside teachers and saying, what are they lacking? Can we buy them stuff? They realize we gotta buy them protein because they don't eat anything. Uh, we gotta get them meals in the evenings because when they go home, they don't eat. We gotta get them food for the weekend because they don't eat all weekend long because they've got nothing to eat. And they start doing what seemed to be insignificant things, feeding, clothing, washing clothes, cheering from the bleachers. And you know what? In that one season of ministering to a football team, they saw 34 football players come to faith in Jesus Christ. Mustard seed. Mustard plant. I, wa I want you to understand, family, God doesn't need you to be impressive. He doesn't need you to be popular. He doesn't need you to have it all together. He doesn't need you to do incredible stuff for him because he's incredible. So the point is, the kingdom is about the king and the king is so good that all the rest of us, it can be, we can just be dirt and he'll do great stuff through dirt. Some of you don't like this. I don't want to be called dirt, Jeff. Thanks a lot. I do. I would much rather be a carrier of the kingdom than a competitor of the kingdom. I want the kingdom to dwell in me and work through me. And I want Jesus to be glorified in my life because I don't deserve. I don't deserve to be glorified. I'm not God. He alone deserves praise. He alone is worthy of all glory and honor. He alone is the only one who can save. He's the only one who can forgive. He's the only one who can set you free. He's the only one who can build the kingdom of God in your life. So I don't want to be a competitor of him. I just want to be a container. Make me dirt for your glory, Jesus. I don't want to end there because there's something that happens in this narrative. The bush gets so big that the birds find a place to nest in. And that's an Old Testament image that the prophets would use to speak of the inclusion of the Gentiles into God's chosen people. It meant the outsiders get to become insiders. The ones who've been watching from afar are brought near and they enjoy the fruit of the kingdom themselves. It's important, family, for us to remember that the gospel is for all people, all nationalities, all races and ethnicities, that Jesus, in the end, will be worshiped by every tribe and tongue and nation. Our elders asked, as, as we talked about something that happened last week, they asked that I share this with you last week. Some of you were here and you heard our internet, one of our international missionaries talking about his work in Ethiopia and, 
in an effort to address the prejudices that are common among Americans, he made a comment about Muslims that could have been misunderstood by many of you. We know him well enough to know that it wasn't the intent of his heart, but some of our staff and a few of you raised concerns about how that could have been perceived. And I want to be really clear. We firmly believe the gospel is for all nations, all peoples, all ethnicities, all races. And we are thankful. We're thankful that God would give us the opportunity to minister to every nation in this neighborhood. Bellevue is loaded with nations. The nations are here. And we love the nations because Jesus loves the nations. And I want to be really clear. Some of you even maybe are coming from a background, and your background is, in terms of your faith, is that you're a Muslim. And I want you to know you're welcome here. We are so glad that you're with us. We're so glad that we get to proclaim how great Jesus is to you. And we want you to know he loves you. And so please hear our hearts, family. If, if you walked away and that was a hard moment for you, we, we recognize it. And we want to honor all the peoples that God would give us the opportunity to love. And you can imagine for Mark's readers, the Roman Gentiles, they were probably heard that particular narrative and they thought, that's us. We're the birds. We get to nest in the kingdom. We get to rest in the work of the mustard seed. We get to rest in the seed in the ground. And then he goes on, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. And just to be clear, I want to say it again. The people who can understand the things of the kingdom are the ones who get the king. And you can't understand the things of the kingdom without the king. And so Jesus has to pull them aside. Even they quite don't understand it, so he has to keep privately explaining it to them. And that's a picture of what you and I all need, and that is that Jesus by his spirit will come dwell in our hearts and keep teaching us the things of the kingdom. Because we can't understand these things without Jesus. Because ultimately Jesus is the seed. Don't miss it. Just as Adam was taken from the soil of the earth and was put to sleep, and out of Adam was taken a rib and a bride was formed for him, so Jesus, the seed, the offspring spoken of that would come through the line of Abraham, who would be the means through which all the Gentiles might be given good news, they might be brought in, the means by which Abraham would see the fulfillment of being blessed to be a blessing to all the nations was Jesus, the seed, the offspring. And that offspring, that seed, went into the soil of the earth after he died on the cross for our sins, was buried in a tomb, and for three days was in the tomb. And then just like the seed that you're waiting to pop out of the ground, you're looking for the the plant to come up, Maggie and I are looking at the garden to see it break through the ground. Jesus breaks through the ground. He rises again on the third day, and he's called the first fruit of a new creation. He is the beginning of all that's going to happen. The newness of all the new earth, the new heaven, has begun in Jesus And he comes out of the ground and he rises again. And you and I have hope because he, the seed of God, went into the earth and died for our sins and rose again on the third day. And he is alive. And his seed is in us who believe. The gospel is in us. And just as he was risen up from the ground, you and I are raised up with Christ in the heavenly places and we're seated with him next to God. We are present with God. Jesus prays that we would be in him as he is in the Father and the Father in him. May we also be in God. And you and I who are in Christ are raised up like a plant breaking through the ground with new life to produce new fruit to be God's kingdom breaking into the world with him doing all the work in us and doing all the work through us. 
The kingdom of God is awesome, isn't it? It may seem not impressive, it may seem invisible, it may seem insignificant, but it is eternal and it is powerful and it will change the entire world. God, help us to believe this. Help us to be impressed with Jesus more than ourselves. Help us be confident that he doesn't need us to be impressive. God, help us. Father, we come to you and we pray that you would make us a people who are confident that the kingdom of God can do immensely greater things than we could ever do, that, that Jesus is so much better than us, that his work is so powerful, and even if we can't see it in the dirt of our lives, the suffering and the struggles, you are at work. God, give us confidence that you are at work. The kingdom is breaking in, it's breaking through. The seed is going to produce Jesus, you are that seed. We worship you. We honor you. We glorify you. You alone are worthy of praise. Thank you and pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Unexpected Jesus series as we walk through the book of Mark at Doxa Church. Doxa Church exists to equip people to live for Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. For more information, go to doxa-church.com.